to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. Are you feeling festive? Are you feeling good? Ready for Christmas? Is your elf on the shelf? Who knows? It's been a hell of a year. Um, thank you for listening, tuning in. It's so late before Christmas. I'm sure you've got better things to be doing. But I hope that this conversation is going to help invigorate you and get you all inspired for what is hopefully going to be a much better year for everybody in 2021. Let's see. Today we've got fantastic musician and animator George Moyer on the show. So if you're not familiar with George's work, we'll get into that shortly. Brilliant, infectious, catchy pop synth keyboard guitar tunes. Up and coming, brilliant new musician and he animates all his own music videos. 800 plus hours of animation going into some of his projects. We're going to get deep into that with George today. But first, a quick thank you for wonderful sponsors. First up, Illustration X. Superb illustration and animation agency who've been supporting this show since the very start. They represent a hell of a lot of creatives, everything from lettering artists to illustrators to live illustrators to fashion illustrators to mural artists, animators, gift makers, the list goes on. They are brilliant. They are a real champion of the creative industry. And you should go and check them out over at illustrationx.com. And also supporting the show, the fantastic Association of Illustrators. Brilliant, brilliant organisation doing all sorts of great work to support illustrators. They have live events when things are good, online events when things are not at the moment giving us all kinds of insights into everything from the creative side of the illustration game right through to the legal, the business side of things, which they are a huge champion of because they know the tendency for us guys to be maybe not so great when it comes to those things and they offer vital support. So go and check them out, the AOI.com. Brilliant, brilliant guys. So, George Moyer, coming up on today's show. Um, quickly, just a thank you for everybody who tuned into the previous episode with the wonderful Jenny Robbins and her beautiful graphic novel Biscuits Assorted, out now on Myriad Editions. It's a, a stunningly illustrated, well-written, well-observed, darkly comedic, uh, beautifully tragic, observational look at the contemporary lives of women in London. It's so funny, it's really touching, it's warm, it's very, very real. So go and take a look at that and listen to episode 150 for that one. Um, it's been a big year. For a lot of people, but good and bad. I mean, COVID-19, what more can you say? That amongst a lot of other shit that's gone on in our world. So it's been encouraging. Um, strange. It's been both invigorating in some ways, horrible in others. It really depends. I mean, everyone's responded differently. Everyone's been affected differently. So, you know, it's been really interesting for me to see on social media how people are responding to the adversity uh, becoming inspired by the enforced changes. For some people, that's just not possible, whether that's a mental thing, whether that's an industry thing. If you're a musician, I mean, things are really tough, you know. George is going to talk about how it's affected him um, and how some things have stayed the same and how the live scene has been impacted and how he'd like to get back out there in 2021. But I'm keen to hear. I mean, get the conversation going. Tag us on Twitter. You know, I'll definitely share those chats out there because I've always been a big champion of creativity and how people have dealt with it, uh, you know, live it. It's it's a big passion of mine. So I want to hear how you've responded to 2020 and, and the challenges thrown at you. Let's hope 2021 is a little more smooth. I don't know about normal because I don't think there ever was a normal for us in this game, but 
I'm definitely keen to see what all you guys are going to be doing moving forward into next year. Uh, I used the quiet spells to get my writing career kick-started this year. I mean, that might seem strange seeing as I've you know, I brought out my debut book, Champagne and Wax Crowns, in 2015, which was a brutally honest, darkly comedic look at what it what it is to, to build a career in creativity and what it feels like. And there were no punches pulled, you know. Uh, that thing started as a blog in 2011, an angry rant, and it snowballed into something bigger and something that I think anybody can relate to who's tried to lead their career with their artistic expression. Um and I've now moved into fiction, uh, we know, with this year's Isolation Watch, which was a very responsive, fictionally diarised look at how people coped and didn't cope in isolation this year with COVID-19. And then the follow-up, Your Mum, and other stories from the back streets of Britain. Thank you to anybody who's bought that. There's been a lot of support coming from the industry. It's an illustrated collection of 21 short stories, all based around abandoned items on British streets. So it's a very murky, mucky, tragic, but also poignant look at just the life we lead as people on the streets of britain so go and check it out there's been some very kind reviews for that and some great feedback so thank you to anybody who supported you can go check all that stuff out at bentallenwriter.com big illustration projects to reveal next year that i've been working on this year which have been more long term and i've just not been able to talk about just yet so it might seem like i've been quiet on that front but things have actually been really quite busy it's just um the nature of the jobs I've been taking on this year has changed. You know, I've been invested in some long projects. A lot of personal work too. You know, I'm keen to steer my own direction. So again, that was covered on the self-initiated project special episode from a, a few few weeks ago. So go back and check all that out in the archive. The podcast is on anywhere. You get you you know, you get these things. Spotify, Google, uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. So without further ado, George Moyer. So I'm going to pull up George's Instagram and read you his description because he says it better than I do. Let's have a look. George, where are you? So I, I love this conversation with, with George. He was a very warm, very human, very just impassioned, creative person. And it's plain to see that his unusual background has, has given him this uh, wonderful voice as both a musician and an animator. And he's fusing both of those talents to great effect, which is why I wanted to get him on the show. Because I think you guys, especially those of you who work with Moving Image, will we'll really love George's work, especially his music videos. But his tunes are just so infectious, so catchy and really, really great. And I've been abusing them ever since, I have to admit. So we are going to talk about his story, quite the unusual upbringing. He was going to get into that. I'm not going to spoil that so soon. But George did used to make these uh, stop-motion animations from using his Lego, which he was very passionate about as a younger man. And he's going to tell us about that and how that kick-started his interest in animation and how he worked as an animator before thinking that this passion for music that he's had since his very early days, two or three years old, should come to the fore now. Um, and he's just, you know, he's absolutely killing it. So he's going to talk about how all that came about. So his description is quite simple. Music act, piano and synths and guitar and stuff. I love that. That sums him up. He's such a, a kind of wonderfully flippant character who who is just happy to see where this path takes him and not quite sure where things are going at, which he referenced in his wonderful track, Big Boy Cruising. He's talking about, you know, allowing himself to dream. And we do discuss not letting go of those kind of childhood ambitions we have as astronaut, uh, inventor, you know, those kind of jobs that we look at until we get into those late teenage years. So we're going to talk about why that stops and how it goes different ways for some people. But it's a great chat and I do suggest going and taking a look at George's Instagram, which is a lot of fun, over at instagram.com forward slash George Moyer, M-O-I-R. Um, 
not a lot else to say. George says it a lot better than I do. Uh, you know, it was it was great to be put in touch with him, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed his chat. And he's certainly rising up that Spotify playlist at the moment. He's constant studio fodder, and I've also got my wife Laura well into his music, and the babies love it. I'm a, I'm a father of twins. That's a big thing that happened to me this year, and um, they're both big fans of your music, George. So cheers for the chat. Quick thank you once again to the supporters of the show, Illustration X and the Association of Illustrators. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Get us your feedback on the social media, either at Arrest All Mimics or at Ben Talon on any of the big social platforms. Nice one, guys. Enjoy. Well, I, I grew up um, as one of eight kids um, on a... <laughs> this, this sounds like a ridiculous story, like I'm making it up, but I was one of eight kids, grew up kind of homeschooled on a farm um, mm. in, in the Midlands, kind of... Um, it's, it's a bit weird, actually. It's like probably a 20-minute train journey outside of Birmingham, um, but it's this little town, and we were just outside the town, fields everywhere, nice, lovely farmhouse. We, I grew up with, like, pigs and geese and ducks and chickens mm. and all sorts, and um, and homing pigeons, um, <laughs> obviously. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, that was kind of, like, the setting I grew up in. My dad was a bee farmer, um, and my mum... Uh, she she used to be a teacher, um, full time mum and full time homeschooling um, when when I was around. But um, she she did like an art degree and everything. So there was always her like collage work and kind of charcoal drawings and stuff all up on the walls. Um, so I don't know. I guess I was probably kind of surrounded by all that sort of stuff from from day dot. I guess, um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess musically, I, I, um, I've been playing since I was about two or three. Uh, the, my family bought this like little upright piano, um, and I would kind of twinkle away on it, and um, it, it ended up getting rationed. So I was only allowed a, a certain amount of time on it per day because so I would just, I would just kind of be on that thing the whole day if, I, if it wasn't, um, <laughs> wasn't monitored. Um, I mean, as yeah. far as as far as habits go, that's you know that's pretty good. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. My equivalent would have been the Mega Drive. I think you know it was it was a case of keeping me off that, <laughs> as opposed to the pianos. I know which I'd prefer now being a father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. You never know. You could get bored of the bored of the noise. Is 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 Mega Drive the um? Is that racing? It was yeah. I got the very like the kind of starter pack games with the racing and the. I think oh, it was um, columns. I think and yeah, and like Italian ninety. I'm showing my age now. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good stuff. Those games are amazing. <laughs> but it's it's kind of... Sorry, Karen. Sorry, no. It's, I find it fascinating the um, these early things that come into our lives as kids that we don't think about we don't you know you don't at that age do you? it's instinctive and it's playful and, and we do it because it gives us pleasure and yeah. i think that's a beautiful thing that this in, this wonderful instrument should come into your life at such an early stage and i would hazard a guess from what you said there about your mum that it wasn't the kind of family to try and deter you in any way as in as in you know oh you know i mean okay it's too early to go down the proper job route i guess two or three yeah. 
But all the same, you know, you, you mentioned something there about the noise. There will that will go on. You know, there will be a case of pack that in. You know, as so making a racket or the yeah. noise. So I, was that the case? Were you allowed to kind of explore and play that where without restriction? I uh, yeah. I mean, I I was told that I was not allowed to use the sustain pedal um, at one point because that made it kind of too washy and, and horrible. But I loved it. I was kind of like. <laughs> Thinking on away, but um, yeah, I, I, in general, I was kind of like just let loose on it. We ha had, um, yeah, pretty much en endless scope to to play piano whenever I, whenever I wanted. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, my mum was amazing. She um, kind of resourced us kids to do literally kind of pursue what we were interested in which is really nice obviously like some structure to school and everything but being homeschooled it was kind of very um like child directed learning so i i could kind of be like oh yeah i'm really interested in in pirates or something mm -hmm. whatever it is that a kind of <laughs> young young boy is interested in and then so we'd learn all about pirates and sir francis drake or whatever and um and I mean, I ended up in, in Plymouth, which was pretty cool, you know, being a, a Sir Francis Drake fan in my younger years. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I don't know, she kind of gave us free reign. I, I remember there was this one time where, um, like artistically as well. So, uh, I mean, if you, if you can call it that when you're that young, but I, I remember this one time I was just let loose on, on a load of paper and I made like a full size well a kid's size rowing boat out of paper and sellotape <laughs> and and a little fleet of you know those little like origami boats and stuff you can yeah that look kind of like hats I made a fleet of that and then a massive this massive um uh like row rowboat that I could sit in <laughs> out of a4 paper <laughs> um which is great I mean I, yeah I don't know how many um, parents would be super. I, I don't think I would be up for letting my kid um, <laughs> fill up an entire room with paper boats. <laughs> but, um, it's it's yeah. that's, that's lovely. I think um, it's great to see. I mean, we, you know, the, the thing is, and I've and I've been the last few years, I've been mulling this over increasing amounts, but just I I can't get away from the fact that for me creativity is simply a it's a fundamental pillar of, of human happiness to me and that comes in so many forms and so many ways and it never has to be professional if that's not the way that a person wants to go yeah. but I just think exp artistic expression and and a way to get that you know those whatever the need whatever the age you know you mentioned boats there and and and, and as a kid there's something very pure about that and I think when a human is able to get that out into the world in a way it, it just does something good for the soul Absolutely. Um, were you a happy kid growing up? You know, were you were you were you excited with life? Yeah, I think so. It was. It, I mean, it's kind of weird looking back because, um, I mean, it feels like a million years ago. But, but <laughs> um, yeah, I had had quite a, a happy childhood. It was um, obviously a, a kind of crazy um, environment I was in with like seven siblings farm animals everywhere and um in out in the middle of nowhere so it's kind of um yeah idyllic i guess um but yeah I, I think the one thing you sort of miss out on is um the sort of social 
um, stuff with like being homeschooled. Um, it was very much something I had to to learn. I think once I I kind of got out into the world, I guess. Um, <laughs> like you know, you learn learn the um, the kind of uh, school stuff or whatever, and then there's the whole social side of it as well. You have got to get a handle on. But so which did end up being a challenge when I was kind of like twelve or thirteen. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I wouldn't kind of go back and change anything. It was um, a lovely time for sure. I think um, I think it's an interesting thing, but I think that whatever we have, whatever that start pack is, when we when we begin to find the threads of what we might want to do um, professionally, I think it's all valid, it's all relevant, and it's all essential. And I think that. Uh, you, we kind of find our way, don't we? There's a lot of wandering in term yeah. in terms of you know you know it's, it's it's not I don't think it's overly natural to get to 14, 15 and be be given these forms and what do you want to do and you know <laughs> uh, there's something you said in another interview that really grabbed me and it was um, the whole thing about you know those kind of kid dreams that a lot of us share where you know larger than life pop star astronaut and inventor I think you said which I thought yeah. was wonderful. Um, was there a point? Was there any kind of turning point? I mean, did you draw a lot? And I'm fascinated now with where the animation comes in. You see, yeah. I mean, I I kind of um, I I, I have always, even in my kind of previous real job, <laughs> sort of chased the chased those sort of kiddie dreams. I guess um, I I used to love um playing with Lego, and I would I would do little like stop motion animation. And that was kind of like the first sort of my first little taste of of doing animation and kind of moving images and I, I would kind of make little short films when I was maybe like nine or ten or something um, and I was like yep yeah, I'm either going to be a Lego set designer or <laughs> I'm going to be a world famous movie director that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to do um, like I can't think of anything else I'd rather do like you know ten year old me I'm set I'm <laughs> you know, I have no clue about. I still have no clue about how you would go about doing either of those things. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was kind of the the earliest sort of career aspirations I had. I think um, that's, am that's yeah. amazing to me. I, I think this is, there's something you you hit upon there with the Lego, and it's and it's about these kind of. I've I've got them down here in my notes as objects of affection. And you know whatever the, whatever the thing is for the individual. In my case, it was WWF wrestling figures, and oh, I was yeah. I'm still still am completely obsessed, and have been fortunate enough to do about forty projects for WWE. Oh, uh, amazing! That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, again, again, but I think it goes back to the purity in it, and it's something you know that you showed quite early on there. In in we have these things that we we don't need to understand why we love them. We just love them. They make us feel yeah, good. Um, absolutely. And I think to use those. And, and this should never change throughout life. And the mistake is when people get into adulthood, they feel the pressure to not do that. But I think if you can continue to explore those things that we love, those objects of affection, which you were clearly doing with that digital camera and finding your way, there's there are answers in that. There are, there are markers that you can use to kind of, you know, it might not be the Lego set designer or the, the movie yeah. director, but within that sphere, there are indicators, I think, of what our personality is and our, and our spirit is geared towards. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's important that you kind of can can pay attention to it because otherwise you end up sort of doing something that's not um, not really meant for you. I think like I, 
yeah. No, I mean, there's, uh, there's, I mean, and that's a grinding feeling, you know, when it's, it's, mm. it's not, I mean, I, actually, before I go on, I do actually want to share a story that I think you'll appreciate as a Lego fan, but yeah, yeah. until about a month ago where my, my, where my art studio is in Manchester, just along the corridor was, uh, was Stanley Chow, who's really quite well known now as an illustrator. And he was invited to do a talk at Lego headquarters uh, about two years ago, I think it was. And as part of the event, they gave him his own, his actual own Lego figure of him, which I thought was just oh, amazing. That's as far so as pinnacles good. go. <laughs> that is, goodness me, that would kind of make my life. <laughs> Gosh. It's exactly that. Man. So, so, um, so was, was, was there a point when you started to realize that there was this world out there and you might be able to make a living through music? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to, to be honest, I, I'd always done music as like just a, an outlet, like creative outlet. It was never kind of particularly like, oh yeah, I could make this into a career or make money from this or kind of you know not not that that's ever the reason why you do it anyway but um it, it was always just kind of like something I did in my room kind of like playing with lego or making stop motions it was just like just a bit of fun I guess um and I, I ended up kind of pursuing a, a career for about five years in in animation and videography and stuff because I thought I've you know, I've got this skill set. <laughs> Seems a bit more sensible to try and use that to make money than um, than the music. And then um, it it was probably about almost exactly two years ago. Um, I I put out um, my song "Blame," um, which was the the kind of first lead single we've we've come out with um, this year. Um, and but but I originally put it out two years ago. Um, and it was like the first time I'd ever got a blog placement for any of my music. And then it was just a bizarre kind of maybe three week period where um, I was approached by loads of different people in the music industry saying, oh, we want to meet you and kind of take you to London and kind of buy you a fancy meal or whatever it is. <laughs> um, and I, it was literally in the space of about kind of, yeah, two, two or three weeks became like it went from this just kind of hobby thing that I liked doing that was something that kind of gave me joy and was something to look forward to when I got home from work um uh and it was like suddenly oh, oh my goodness this could legitimately be a thing like it, <laughs> it felt like out of a out of a dream like oh yeah I, I'll put this song out and I'll get signed off the back of it that sounds great yeah <laughs> great plan like I, I don't know it's but like you know I, I think when you're doing it you never sort of expect um that it, I guess that it's kind of to a standard that anyone would be particularly interested in it because you're not doing it for that you're like yeah I don't know D does that kind of make sense like it's it's not a, an external thing it's just like I'm doing this for me I'm putting it out because you know why not um hundred percent. Yeah, you never it, expect anyone to be like, "Oh, yeah, this is this is great." Let's, the the um... purest stuff, I time and time again find that it is that's that's the motive. It's that you again. It goes back to what we said about just getting the joy from it and not necessarily needing to um, to you know to package it, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's because it comes from someplace 
it's from the heart, you know, and you're doing it for you. And I think if you love it, it gives, you know, that's going to come across in some way, shape or form. And, and, in, and again, you know, there's something interesting about, like you said, you know, this is the doing it from the spare room. It's the, it's, it doesn't necessarily matter. You know, I mean, we, there's always, there are awesome studios out there. There are awesome producers. What people I think at that stage look for in any art form is the purity and it's the, you know, and it's, and it's, the, the intangibles, the things that come off that because you're doing it from a pure place. And I also think, you know, yeah, okay, the surface story is you put a song out, you get signed. It's very easy to to, to look at that. I think of Arctic Monkeys and the, the, how quickly they blew up and, you know, but then I actually, my first job for The Guardian was illustrating a feature for the film and music section about street teams and about the hard yards over the years they'd put in by taking friends to them to every single gig and collecting emails and, and doing you know doing the slog on rainy nights that no one really wants to talk about they just want the kind of overnight success and yeah. you know the, the, what we've just talked about there you, the upbringing the, the the making the little movies the the playing piano since the age of two that's your education that's you know you've oh absolutely yeah that's the craft and the learning of the craft so yeah okay you've got the surface story but it's really not that it's very much that whoever has found and liked your music and wanted to have those posh lunches with you has obviously tapped into the aesthetic that that you know that made me want to do this podcast that uh, you know that, yeah. that that means you've got a growing following and it, i think that's amazing and i think you know people shouldn't Feel bad about that i think you know only you don't need to go and tell everyone why you've earned it it's just <laughs> yeah. that's what how you're able to make the amazing music that you're making oh thank you man i really appreciate that it's yeah it's nice to kind of um yeah recognize i guess the the sort of it, it's weird because it's it's never something that i've kind of particularly you it's not something you think about because you're just doing it i guess but like looking back you're like oh yeah i've been yeah, I have been playing since I was two, and I like, I've been writing songs for like ten years straight now, like without stopping. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it kind of sort of like makes sense that you would gradually get better than than you started off. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm picking up on um, a bit of a. I don't know if obsessive streak is the right word. I say this because I'm exactly this. Basically, is when I when I catch onto something that I'm. I, basically, I couldn't get going at school. You know, I, I couldn't apply myself to maths or anything else. It wasn't a lack of ability. It was simply that, and what I understand now at the age of 37 is that I have to feel passionate about the, yeah. what it is that I'm going to apply myself to. But when I do, it, I go into a near obsessive, you know, this is how I got the illustration off the ground. And now I'm, I'm trying to be a writer as well. And I've got a few books out, but this isn't about me. But the point is, um, you know, the hours that have to go into these crafts. And I saw... I'm sure you did. You say you'd put something like 800 hours into the animation of your music videos. Yeah. Th so the first two I put out between them was 800 hours to <laughs> to make about um, I don't know pro probably less than six minutes of footage. <laughs> well, that says something to me about about drive and about passion. And I, I mean, would you say there's a there's an obsessive streak there, or is that the wrong word? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I d I definitely relate to the kind of you got to feel passionate about it if you're gonna if you're gonna do it like I'd really struggle to kind of if I'm not interested in in doing something it's it's kind of bad I'm I'm trying to work on it but like um yeah if if it's not been my idea <laughs> then I feel not anywhere near as interested in in doing it um as if I'd come up with it um mm. <laughs> which sounds kind of a little bit um 
potentially narcissistic, but it's I, I don't think it's that. It's um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, just I, unless I feel interested and passionate and like, oh yeah, that's like the best idea ever. Not that I think my ideas are better than anyone else's, but um, I don't know. It's got to kind of catch my interest for me to have the drive, I guess, to absolutely to put, in, put in 800 hours by the end of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's narcissistic yeah. whatsoever. I think it's about feeling the magic that, that we need to feel yeah. to, to create something that's that's right, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, that can come externally. I, I you know, I get project briefs sometimes that really light me up and it's something I might never have considered within my skill set. But, yeah. but nine times out of 10, it's the self-initiated stuff. You know, that, you know those weird shower moments or driving yeah. long drive, and you get you can't wait to get there because you want to get that idea down. And uh, yeah, again, definitely. I do completely get it. Um, but I, I love the the kind of ecosystem that you've created. I like the fact that you didn't feel the need to abandon the animation when the music came along. And and you know, it might seem obvious to some that there's a synchronicity there, but for others, you know, they might have just gone, well, no, actually, I'm a musician now. I'm not going to be animating anymore. And um, was that always something for the, that you wanted to do? Uh, what kind of keep the animation? Yeah, well, you know, steer the visual direction of what you do. Yeah, I mean, to, I guess with the the whole um, George Moyer project, because I'd kind of done a few different projects before, like been in bands and um, kind of did like a kind of electronic music and a folk music project, like back, at, you know, when I was at school and stuff. So, but this was the first project. Um, that I kind of did want to tackle the the visual identity of it, I guess. So the the kind of before I put any music out, that was the thing that I went to first. Was like, what do I want this to look and feel like, and um, you know, what what are the sort of core influences I want to pull from, I guess, for for it to sort of gel together musically and visually and kind of become this. Um, this little world i guess um so i i kind of i find it quite helpful to have sort of some rough rules in place to be creative within if that makes sense so like, I, I find that quite useful because otherwise you've just got a ridiculous scope of you could literally do anything <laughs> so i find it quite helpful to have like a few rules so i kind of was like right i'm gonna be pulling from childhood inspirations the color scheme is gonna be like fisher price and kind of primary colors and um bright and saturated all the videos are going to be four by three because it's like throwback to vhs or film or whatever that just kind of like really trying to capture that kiddie feel i guess um and kind of pulling references from postman pat and the i don't know like teletubbies or um noddy or whatever it is all these kind of shows that i watched as a kid um and that was the sort of identity of the um, of the project from um, from the very start, I guess. And I kind of it it was the way I thought about packaging the music from from the start of the project, I guess. Yeah, I think it's wonderful, and I, it's it's a pure it's a one of life's great joys to me is when I see music and a visual direction that just gel so well like that and uh, i mean you know maybe it goes without saying because you're the creator of all of it but it's not always that simple you know you can i you know i've spent hours before now banging against a brick wall for something that i've created and thinking hang on i need to separate myself from this and just get another designer in or get you know someone else because this mm. visual direction isn't right but there's just it's a you know to watch those music videos and hear the tunes they they, they just gel in such a wonderful way 
Oh, thank you. I'm really glad that that comes across. <laughs> it goes so much. I mean, right, even right down to your own look in the videos, you know, it's not just the, you know, the graphics and the design, you know, just the way you dress, the, 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 the kind of, you know, the facial expression, it, it works, everything works, which is really, really great to see. Oh, thank you, man. Oh, that's really lovely. Do you have any uh, personal kind of, you know, I mean, for me, I, I grew up idolizing Blur and then the art direction that Style of Rouge created um, for them, particularly around like Modern Life is Rubbish and Park Life and that mm -hmm. kind of era. Um, and, you know, of course, there's Radiohead and Stanley Donwood. Is there anything, of, you know, within your own musical horizons that you you admire that kind of the visuals that work with the, with the music? Um, yeah, gosh, I don't know. I guess I... I... I grew up um, sort of not particularly aware of um, <laughs> culturally what was going on at the time or kind of what um, musically was cool or going on. I, I was kind of like listening to Nina Simone and Nat King Cole and mm. the Andrews sisters growing up. <laughs> so it was kind of, that was my musical landscape as a kid. Um, and it was only probably when I was like 13, I sort of discovered um, some more contemporary stuff like uh i don't know james james blake was probably the first um first one i first artist i sort of latched on to um probably because of the the keys he like he put out a song um gosh like 10 years ago um called limit to your love um which was kind of very piano driven but with this mental like bass line and drums and everything and i was like oh man this is like incredible so i guess but I, I think it's always been quite di quite separate for me, the, the visual stuff and the music. So I kind of never particularly cared about what James Blake looked like or what, <laughs> what his music videos were. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I don't know. I think visually I've always, always loved the sort of stop motion aesthetic of like Wallace and Gromit or yeah. um, James and the Giant Peach. Just oh, kind of, I so mean, good. just absolute classics. It's timeless, isn't it? Yeah. Not, I, I yeah. Have you seen the Wes Anderson Fantastic Mr. Fox? Ah, oh, yes. Absolutely incredible film. It just doesn't fall. Oh, it doesn't no. ever age. I remember what seeing, um, well, I think it was either Jason and the Argonauts or Clash of the Titans. Anyway, both of them. Mm. It just, it's still terrifying to this day. You know, it's, yeah. it's, some special effects really do age you know, because of all the time, but that stuff just remains in its own space. So I, I completely oh, to the affection for that. Oh, I love it. I've been going on a bit of a down a bit of a rabbit hole actually watching um like on YouTube watching behind the scenes miniature building and kind of all, all that sort of stuff. Like the past few days I've just kind of like been been really into that. <laughs> like watching these kind of um yeah, people doing kit bashing and I mean I used to love all that like Cornby stuff as a kid as well but like mm. yeah these people just kind of making ridiculously detailed tiny little sets and then <laughs> filming it and it's like looks like the real thing I think that's just incredible it's um, unbelievable isn't it that I have I, have, I have great respect for any level of that level of nerdery it's just oh, absolutely. Um, oh I love it, it that is next level nerdery but it's incredible <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, have a, I have a close friend who um, he's a sports journalist but we've been writing a lot together in our own time mm -hmm. and he's come up with an idea for a story this is going completely off piece but from what you said mm -hmm. there it's about a guy who's been um he's been banished from the miniature community from the minute set, and he's kind of breaking back in and, and graffiti and tiny graffiti on these models oh, brilliant 
And, it, and, <laughs> and the, the working title we've got is Shranksy. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. And I keep I banging on the floor going, get Shranksy written. It's such a good idea. <laughs> oh, you should. That sounds incredible. I would watch it, man. Uh, or, I never or thought read that. it or whatever. Yeah, man. I never thought that would come up in today's conversation, but there we go. Man, but, I don't know. If you ever need ever need someone to help out with building miniatures or or kind of you know talking through it let me know <laughs> i want to i want to be involved executive producer i can see it happen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so let's talk about the con i love the spare room title of your ep um i'm guessing that was in reference to the fact that you make your music in the spare room yeah absolutely it's kind of pulling on one or two bits which i um, <laughs> i don't think i ever expected anyone to pick up on other than the spare room like this is where i wrote it i guess mm. um so yeah that was kind of the thing i i like I, I wrote it in in the spare room um recorded it in the spare room cheap usb microphone and a and some like a, a free usb keyboard that someone gave me um uh but i guess i was kind of pulling on the the whole Narnia thing as well, like um, spare um, um kind of like stepping into another world sort of thing. Like, um, so that like the artwork is um, it's kind of representing real places, but obviously in this kind of weird collage style. For the first EP, anyway, it was um, all the videos were kind of based on real locations and real places, um, uh, but obviously recreated with with collage um so that's the kind of spare um thing but also i guess um uh some of some of the subject matter is pulling on like my first um where the, the first place i ever lived um which i found on a website called spare room <laughs> as well so it's kind of like pulling a, a few different areas that which i you know i've never expected anyone to pick up on any of it other than it's where it's written but i guess it's nice for me to have a little bit of um bit of depth to it as well i guess yeah it goes back to what we were saying doesn't it about the, the doing it for you which is essential yeah you know, and if it helps you invest in the project then that's that's crucial yeah definitely definitely i love that i love that the nani reference is beautiful oh awesome thank you <laughs> and, and I, but there's something to be said that it's going back to the imperfections thing the lo-fi stuff you know the way Oh God, the way I record this show, you know, it's, it's generally on a small handheld Zoom microphone. I've done them in pubs, cafes, worked with what I've got background noise-wise. And, and you know, the, the mm -hmm. fact is I, was ne I never had the toolkit to be the BBC, nor should I be, because I am doing this as, as an illustrator, as an independent who's just passionate about creativity. Yeah. Was that a decision to begin with, or was that just what you had to work with and subsequently has it become something you've embraced? You know, as, as in if we were to drop you in a, in a plush recording studio now you know um where are you at with that you know is, is it a decision um i it definitely didn't start off as one it was kind of um it was just always been the way i've i've worked i guess because i haven't had access to crazy fancy gear you know I, like um i i feel very lucky to to sometimes every now and then have access to a nice recording studio every now and then but um uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't a decision to begin with. It was just these are the limitations I've got. If, you know, I can't really do a soaring string section because I don't have mm -hmm. any 
you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't have access to that, <laughs> or uh, I, I don't know, I can't do a super real sounding drum kit because I don't have a real sounding drum kit, and I've got free synths that I can get on my crappy bit of music software um, from ten years ago, and like, I, you know, it, it's all sort of um, just working with with what I've got, I guess, um, which I, I think does kind of create eventually like this this lo-fi thing i guess um because it is done out of a bedroom and there's you know there's only so far you can can take that i guess <laughs> like you've got some limitations there but um yeah i think i think it does definitely inform the sound when i do get to to i don't know play on a real piano or or, or kind of have a fancy synth i'm not necessarily going to go for the the massive synth patch or the the kind of crazy big sounding stuff like i i i've come to really love the sort of close sounding intimate um quite dry uh vocal sound and kind of keeping everything like it feels like you're in a small room even if it's if it's not recorded in one i guess um, mm. so it, yeah it's kind of didn't start off as a decision but it's definitely informed um my taste and and kind of how how I push things musically um, now for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think the the kind of limitations invariably create resourcefulness and and enable you to adapt. You know, as is that something you'd agree with? Oh, absolutely, hundred um, percent. You've you've got to kind of work with what you've got at the <laughs> when when uh, when you've got it. I guess otherwise you kind of it becomes an excuse like oh could do this project if i if i had that really expensive bit of kit or like <laughs> i don't know like you you know you could illustrate something with a, a napkin and a, a kind of bit of burnt stick if you wanted like you know kind of <laughs> you've but i think you've got to think like that haven't you that that's the yep the way that you create stuff it's not about what you've got it's about the idea and and um and what you want to communicate you can still draw the same picture on uh some cheap paper or some expensive paper and i th i think when you when you're in the world whatever creative world it's in you kind of you notice and you hear or you see things that most people are just never gonna see like the the little details and the the kind of yeah i don't know like i, I there are glitches and kind of things that I ran into with the music videos that I put out the first first two where there's like a little bit of flickering or like something disappears for a frame and I couldn't figure out how to fix it in my software so it's just in there and you know no one is gonna ever notice that other than me or someone who is equally kind of nitpicky and and kind of um in that world I guess um yeah, and what, uh, you, you, what you know, it, it, I I could chuck in as many imperfections in there as as I wanted, and probably like maybe five people will ever see it or notice it or care. Um, yeah, and then yeah. what you find what you find then is you know it, it becomes you start out trying to eradicate the thing, don't know how. Then the next mm. thing you know, you're you're trying to recreate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I've done. I remember doing it. I did a full commission on a Megabus from Manchester to London once, 
and wow. yeah, I was lucky enough to have a double seat to myself. And I, you know, I remember having the scanner, USB connection, laptop, pencil yeah. case, paper. It was ridiculous. I mean, you know, <laughs> but then that's what it's become, you know, that, and that's the glory of having this rough style, which I'm sure you can relate to where you can kind of get away with that. It, it enables you to, to work on the move or in your case, a spare room. And, and you know, um, there's something beautiful about all that. You know, so some people polished is the only way, but I think that in all of this, you have to be respectful of character and personality. And I think that's what it ultimately yeah. comes down to. Yeah, definitely. I think kind of, I mean, clean looking, super smart stuff can look absolutely incredible as well. Like I'm not bashing that at all, but I think like there's something very tactile and like something that you can grab onto. I think when there is a bit of character and imperfection and like, I don't know, dust on the scan or or kind of noise on the recording or whatever it is it's kind of like because that's that's real life isn't it you know mm -hmm. people's lives are not super i mean unless you have severe ocd they're not super clear and clean and slick like life is is messy and dirty and and <laughs> yeah but but great you know and and so i guess when when that's kind of in even if you don't kind of think particularly like deeply into the artistic meaning of it or whatever, it's kind of like just something to to grab hold of, something that you can connect to. I think makes very it much so. more more relevant to to people's lives. I think for sure. I think so. Soulful. So yeah. big boy cruising. I love. Um, there's a lyric that I love in that track, and it's I don't want to get my hopes up too high. The dream slips every time I open my eyes. And I think I heard you talking about, you know, the aspect of, of, of dreaming and or not knowing what those dreams are. I mean, let's hear it from you. What, what, what's the thinking behind that? And I'm just interested in that theme. Yeah, gosh. I mean, it's, that particularly, I, I think, is about the whole, um, uh, when this uh, whole music thing became a, a, a potential career option for me, I guess. It was like, man, this does feel like it's out of a dream <laughs> like I, I kind of don't want to get too carried away with like thinking about it because I don't want to be let down I guess um uh yeah you, you kind of get get used to I think um I don't know if you you've ever worked in a creative sector like kind of getting let down by a client like oh actually no that's not not what we're looking for or um I don't know because I I guess I kind of came from that that world of like losing work, <laughs> so I guess I came kind of sort of came with that sort of expectation of um, like I really want to get carried away and and dream about like where this could go and like what could happen and you know what my life could look like, but also like right, let's keep it keep it a little bit grounded let's let's not get too carried away in case it doesn't happen <laughs> don't, want to, don't want to feel awful afterwards when my dreams are dashed <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that anything anything that's based on creativity there's a lot of rejection yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um how does it i mean you know there's something there's some you know there's themes of youth that are quite prominent in your work um it's a strange time. I mean, looking at your discography, it seems like the majority is this year. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. 
How does that feel? I mean, it's the world's upside down at the moment, you know, and I, you know, we've just talked about resourcefulness and adapting and which I show you've, you've had to be all those things throughout this time, but how does it feel now? You know, I, I think back to myself, you know, in those formative steps and, and just the sheer buzz, it would give me the possibility that was in front of me. It's not to say that's not there. Of course, it, it's always there, but it's a strange time in the world. How does that feel now as someone who's at the very formative steps in their career? Yeah, I mean, it's to to be honest, it's kind of um, it, it it might sound a bit horrible to say, but it's been quite a comfortable um, uh, sort of introduction for me into the the music world because I think because there's there's not any live stuff happening because it's not um, kind of particularly like uh, I don't know it, in that sort of struggle, it's meant that a lot of people are in a similar spot to the spot that I've sort of always come from, which is like, actually all I've got is my little bedroom studio and I'm going to work out of there kind of thing. So it's meant that I've, I've spent a lot more time at home um, writing and kind of using the, the cheap, (laughs) not particularly great gear that I've got here, um, uh, which is just sort of an extension of, um, of how I've always done it, I suppose it's it's kind of meant that I'm in my in my comfort zone. <laughs> I haven't had to push too far out of it, um, which which has been lovely. But I guess I, I'm kind of yeah, getting to the stage now where I'm like I feel really ready to to take on some some more kind of ambitious stuff. I guess it, like it it feels like I'm I'm sort of stepping into twenty twenty one with like. I've got this uh, discography so far, which sort of sets the scene and, and I I think feels exciting and, and fresh and, um, and unique. And I'm stepping into 2021 and thinking like, right, where's, where's the live stuff going to come in? Where, you know, what does my show look like? What does it look like outside of my spare room mm. um, in the real world, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, I, but I, I think it's, it's kind of yeah that whole thing we were talking about with the whole limitations thing you know that there are definitely more limitations um on every, <laughs> everyone <laughs> at the moment and i think uh, for me sometimes that's useful creatively i mean sometimes it's it's easy to get caught up in and this is not particularly pleasant <laughs> to be <laughs> so restricted and like you know you can't see people or kind of mm-hmm. uh, have that personal connection um which is really sad um yeah of but, course i mean yeah but at the same time those limitations mean that you know you've got to figure out ways of of um working with people of seeing people in a way that is safe and you know it's it's kind of exercising creativity in in sort of every area rather than just um how how you approach a an art project i guess it's like how how you even do or or kind of get started on the art project when there are other people involved you know i've been doing a lot of um zoom sessions for for writing and recording and stuff which has been a whole (laughs) whole adventure figuring out how music works when you can't just jam with someone in the room you've got to take Mm -hmm. turns like i I don't know those limitations kind of mean that you approach it in a different way i think it can be quite exciting and and interesting for sure you you know you come out of it with like, like we said you know you come out you have to you can either sit there and moan about it and not do it 
or you know you can um or you can embrace it wholeheartedly yeah so yeah. um you know what what's what's interesting there um it's just, I'm, you know, in some senses, I've gone through a similar thing. I mean, I've, like I said, I've you know illustrated for twelve years, but I've been writing for five. Initially by accident, I, I wrote basically an online venomous rant from the point of view of a frustrated freelancer working in his bedroom, and it ended up getting a book deal. Um, which it, it wasn't venomous by the time it came out; it was kind of just black comedy. But it was about what we all go through when we're doing this thing in solitude and we're trying to work it out. And suddenly, it's like, oh god, I think, you know, I need to pay some bills with this at some point. Yeah. Um, since then, I've really kind of just been exploring writing in my own time, fiction and nonfiction and all sorts. And I've written a couple of books during this time, uh, which are out now. What's nice about that is I, it's, I'm reaching a similar point where it's like, okay, I want to get out there now and go to a few writers meetups and meet mm. some more experienced writers and, and just, you know, be a part of the scene and get that buzz, which just seems like it's something you're alluding to with the live scene. Um, yeah. But the, the nice thing is, and I found this early in my career, and I'm, I, I wonder if you find the same, is that, the, you know, you've had time to create this stuff without too much social interaction. So it's probably, well, it is very pure to you, you know, just from what we talked about. That's nice, you know, to, to make that statement and to lead your own opening, so to speak, is a brilliant thing, because then moving forward, you understand what your product is, what your creativity mm. is. You know, I guess some people maybe get, let's say someone gets gobbled up after one single and they haven't had the chance to spend 800 hours on an animated music video. There's every chance that they then get, you know, built in someone else's mold. And that goes back to what we talked about is when you're in the wrong thing and then it becomes a toil in, in some mm, respects. Yeah. You know, it seems like you're emerging from 2020 with a body of work that is that is very pure and is very you. And I, and I like to think that will set you up for a wonderful next step, whatever that may be. Yeah. No, thank you, man. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, definitely. I, I think, for sure, it, it, it's uh, it's really important that that you do keep it kind of um, true to to yourself and your vision for it. I'm sure with with your books, it's kind of uh, quite nice to have like a grounding of of understanding of like how you work, how you write, and kind of what your sort of style and character is i guess uh, when when you are writing because it's that voice i guess is not necessarily going to be the same as your uh as as how you would interact with someone if you're just talking to them i guess like it's it's not you're not going to necessarily use the same words or the same kind of um yeah pattern of of language i guess in real world versus your art world i guess so it's it's kind of like yeah, definitely having that grounding and understanding of of yourself first, I think is, is hugely important for when you do go and kind of get other people involved. I've, I feel like I've been very blessed with um, uh, my A&R Michael um, kind of, he will give me pointers and stuff, but in general, he, he just sort of lets me do my thing <laughs> which is lovely <laughs> and and there are kind of the people that are involved in the project with me my producer joe um and my management um are all kind of like there to to kind of enable and, and help me with my kind of vision for the project which is like i think a, a huge blessing um i don't think every artist gets that like i, I think um a lot of the time you can be pushed in a in into a certain lane and and like you're saying if it's not 
the lane that you're interested in, then that's really hard and it does become um, hard work and toil. But, you know, if you if you can strike the balance right of it being viable commercially, I guess, and, and um, but still true to yourself artistically, like that's that's the lane you want to be in. That's where it's kind of the dream job, I guess. Very much so. That is yeah. the dream. That you know, that's that's the thing. It's uh, you know, we don't want to play the starving artist for too long. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, and and for me, that's you know, that's what a great mentor is. It's someone that can just let you be, give you the license, let you do your thing, work out what that is, and then just mm. at the right moments, just step in and a nice yeah. suggestion. Maybe it's one comment, maybe it's one tweak that can change everything. And I've been very blessed with people along the way for that. And it's great to hear that you've got those people in your world. Yeah, it's def- I mean, it's it's the kind of um... I, I don't think the the sort of artist enablers get quite enough credit because I, I don't think I'm I'm not the savviest business person ever. I <laughs> I was freelance for a bit and couldn't quite make it work. <laughs> um, but you know the the people that sort of um, will get behind you and support you and and um, and really kind of make it work. I, you know I I don't know where I would be without. Um, the incredible people that I've got on my team helping me to kind of shape shape it as a career because otherwise I would just be doing it in my bedroom and putting it out and no one would listen to it which you know I, I guess is fine but I you know people people seem to enjoy my music and I really hope that it sort of um, helps <laughs> especially at the moment where it's kind of you know a bit of a uh, bit of a lonely time I think you know mm-hmm. if it helps kind of I, I put a lot of myself into the music so I, I hope that there's some kind of human connection that they can feel in that even if I'm not really there if that makes sense I don't it know it does make sense it does, and it goes back to what I was saying about this biosphere you've created it's very tangible it's very powerful and, it, and it's very warm you know and I think we do need a bit of warmth at the moment and you know, the, again, what you said there about, you know, if you're just, just you in the spare room, then what, you know, I, I, it's something you said earlier that popped in my head. We need the nannier, don't we? We need, you need the outlet, mm. you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely. you need the magic side of it. And I think people do real, very much relate to that. Um, that said, you know, like we said, it has been a very challenging time, but what does it do for you on a, on a mental level? The, the, the creativity is, yeah, I find it completely essential personally. Um, oh, how yeah. about you? Yeah, 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 for sure. I would go absolutely mad if I didn't have a creative outlet. <laughs> I get stuck in my head way too much. This is the only way I can get it out, man. Yeah, well, it's good yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, lastly, let's talk about the new EP, and that's next year, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure it's early March. We're, we're putting out um, uh, this EP called Guide to Growing. Um, which I'm very excited about. I've, I feel really kind of, um, yeah, feel really good about it. It's a, it's a slightly different um, direction to the, the first EP, but um, I think feels um, hopefully more tangible, more kind of real and um, yeah, something you can grab hold of. But um, yeah, so some, some of my favorite songs I've written are on this next EP. Um, I'm really excited for people to hear it for sure. That's a great title, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think, <laughs> let's you know, uh, let's hope anytime soon we might see you out on the live circuit. Yeah, definitely. I will will definitely be shouting about it when I am um, <laughs> when I eventually get a live show going. Yeah, my God, what a challenging time for the music industry. Yeah, man, <laughs> crazy, crazy times. 
Well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure, George, to chat. And um, I think I've pretty much covered as much as we can talk about without completely draining our minds. <laughs> Man, Ben, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It's lovely. No, it's, to, an absolute, it's my to pleasure. About it. Thank you so much to George Moyer for taking the time to chat. And thank you to Darbell PR who actually connected me with George. They, they heard about Arrest on the Mix and were fans of the show, it turns out. So they felt like George being the animator that he is, along with his wonderful music talents, that the show might be a good fit. And all it took was a quick hello and I was straight on the opportunity because I hope you'll agree that was quite a fascinating conversation. And I really love to see different disciplines come together you know there's this is quite an unusual one for me you know to be a musician and an animator and bring those things together to such a great effect as george has and as an illustrator and a, a you know blossoming writer myself sometimes it does feel a little strange to kind of put such distinct creative disciplines together like that but i just i think that's what creativity is all about and we shouldn't be afraid to bring those things together so again maybe that's a topic of conversation let us know if you've got quite the dynamic range at Arrest on the Mix on the social media go and check out George's music now he's in all the good places Spotify his records are out there and he's on instagram.com forward slash George Moyer music what have you been up to let us know how your year's been I want to know where you're going get some conversations going let us know your thoughts on those social platforms I'm not going to keep you too long it's getting mightily close to Christmas and I hope you're going to have a fantastic one and a wonderful new year. Thank you guys for all the support. Thank you for anyone who's listened, who's shared, who's retweeted, who's suggested themselves for a guest, suggested a friend for a guest. It all makes a big difference. I love doing this show. It's just simply an extension of my studio and my an expression of my passion for creativity. So it really does mean a lot when you shout about the show, when you tell me anything, any kind of involvement. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Um, big writing plans next year big illustration plans so look out for those keeping those chats going on the social platforms as ever thank you once again to George Moyer thank you to the sponsors of the show go and check out illustrationx.com founding sponsor of Arrest Almanix and the brilliant association of illustrators Merry Christmas guys and Happy New Year